Hey guys, welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast. I'm your host, Oliver, and today we have a very special guest. Um, he's a NBA podcast producer for The Athletic, Andrew Schlecht. Now, I hope I got your name right there, the last name. You got it, yep. Um, we're going to talk about mainly OKC today. So um, we'll start with yesterday's game. Now, that was quite crazy and been waiting for a Trey Man explosion, and I know that you have for a while. Um, just want your thoughts on Trey Mann's game yesterday. That was a lot of fun. It was really good to see him get uh, as many shots up as he did. Mm -hmm. It's just been, it's hard to describe because he has the game of a guy that's a gunner, right? Mm -hmm. Like most, he's a Jamal Crawford, Jordan Clarkson type of guy. However, he doesn't have the, like heat check stuff in him. Hmm. You know, he plays within himself. He tries to play within the offense. Uh, he plays like a traditional like role player, which I think is good, which I mean, which means he's very coachable, but he just has a different mentality. And last night we got to see a different edge to him, which we're kind of been waiting for. And Mark is Mark Degnall, the coach has obviously been trying to push that out of him a little bit. Like even to the media, he's been saying like, I wish that he would take more shots. I wish that he would, be more aggressive and then we finally got to see it now it was a great game he made some crazy shots i want to see it 10 more times the rest of the season you know before i want to draw like a ton of conclusions on what type of player he's going to be because i mean i mean anybody can have a big explosion like yeah think about paul watson like a lot of thunder fans have watched paul watson they're like very unimpressed with what Paul Watson brings to the table. He scored, I think he scored over 30 points in a game for the Raptors last year. So like oh, yeah. anybody can do anything in one game, do it again would be, is, is what I would say to Trey. If I were on the coaching staff today, like let's see it again. Like you can do that again, do it again. And he's going to have the chance that this next stretch, there's several guys that are out. He's going to have the minutes. He's going to have the shots. So if if in these next you know eight games that Shea is definitely out, he can do that a couple more times. I think that the conversation gets more interesting with Trey. Um, yeah, I agree. I feel like with SGA out for the, like the next uh, ten games, like you said, I feel like even if he he doesn't get twenty twenty five points, but he's at least taking twelve shots a game or eleven shots a game and getting his shots up um, and shooting somewhat efficiently. Um, I feel like that's going to put him in good stead for when he probably goes back to the bench role when SGA comes back. And I, as an Aussie, I have to bring up Giddy. I loved watching Giddy um, run the offense, yeah. even though he had, I think, six turnovers. Um, it just, the ball looked like it was moving a lot better. I know SGA is a superstar. You can't really, oh, all-star. Um, you can't really um, say we're better without him because we're not. But mm -hmm. I think it's just more enjoyable nearly to watch at least last night's game, it might be a one-off instance, but um, that's what I feel like that. Do you agree? Or I think I love watching Josh play. I think he's really fun. I think he can throw just about any pass that, that you want him to. He sees the floor differently. I mean, just that inbound pass to tie the game mm. up at the end of regulation is like a big time example because that was not the play that Mark drew up. It was just a play that he and Ken Rich saw. And they created it through a eye contact and a head nod. And he threw the ball right to him at the rim. And that's the kind of special stuff that this guy can do. And 
honestly, the Thunder haven't ever had a player like him. Mm. And so it's more fun to watch a guy like that. And we, part of it is like, we know what we we're going to get from SGA. Like we've seen it all yeah. and we haven't seen everything Josh can do yet. And so it feels, I think most Thunder fans would probably want to see more of Josh, but really what we want to see is those two work together in a more cohesive way, which yeah. hasn't really happened yet. And there's still a lot of time. Honestly, I don't know that this iteration of Thunder will work for those two to have the on-court chemistry that we want. I think it's going to require them to draft somebody that can really shoot the basketball for it to work. Now, Trey and his growing confidence is a, can be a piece of that puzzle too, but they really need somebody else, hopefully from the forward position, that can really shoot the basketball. And if they can get one of those guys – I think it'll unlock a little bit for both of them because then they're not getting two and three defenders meeting them in the paint every time they try to drive uh, and they can create space for one another. And you have the other outlet, which is what they're really missing because nobody guards Dort. Nobody guards Jeremiah on the perimeter. They, people just don't care about those guys. So mm. if they get somebody that the defense cares about, then I think it opens up everything for, for both of those guys. Yeah, and I, I like how it went to overtime. I was hoping that maybe I could see Trey Man get a few more shots up in overtime, but um, I know Dort just had to take over. I was a bit, as I, I don't want to say I was disappointed because I mean he did take over, but I just wanted to see Trey Man put up shots in OT. But I, I agree. I, I wanted him to get thirty. I hate yeah. that he missed that free throw. I mean yeah. that was painful to see him missing that free throw. And yeah, you you want to see him get up there, but it was really funny after the game. And Joe Masato, uh, the beat writer for the Oklahoma, put up a really funny video of this, is that you got to kind of see the chemistry between these young guys, which is cool. I would recommend that everybody go check it out uh, because you got to see Giddy was basically giving Trey a hard time for not getting 30. And Trey <laughs> is like, got his head back. He's like rolling his eyes and shaking his head. It was like, okay, this is awesome. Right? This, is, this is great. So it was almost worth it for that moment. And it, and it felt like Baisley knew the plan to try and continue the tank at one stage. I feel like I think he put up three threes <laughs> on the same possession and they just all yes. flanked. <laughs> yeah, that play was pretty funny. It was like, no, Baisley, no, no. They kept throwing it back out to him. It's like, no. I mean, I don't know if we want to be winning those games for the tankathon, but um I know that so there there is like that that bit of like push and pull with winning games like this. Mm. I'm kind of of the mind that if it's Trey and Lou and Josh winning these games, you can't really be too upset about yeah. it. If it were Mike Muscala hitting six threes, <laughs> I would be losing my mind today. Like, honestly, I couldn't handle it. But the fact that it's the young guys, it's the rookies, it's Lou leading the way here. I mean, either they are going to become like, the good players on the next iteration of the thunder, or they're going to be good trade pieces to help them get to that level. So to me, those are, those kind of wins are, are totally fine, even though they, they're not helpful in the right in the, in the tankathon standings. <laughs> it is, it's, it's going to be, I mean, it's totally fine. I think that it's, it, sh it shows good progress and it shows that guys are buying in too, which is always mm. helpful. And one thing I like, I have noticed this year is, the amount of experience they have got in close games in the last 
five minutes or so. They mm-hmm. for the first year for a lot of these rookies for such a young team to get this experience, basically their first year in. I think that it can only set them up in good, well in the future at least. Because I mean, you can't really practice that at all. So, yep. Um, yep, I agree. Moving on to the trade deadlines, tenth of Feb. Now, there you like to use the word the pull the lever. Mm-hmm. Um, now, SGA uh, being injured is kind of a lever in itself. Yep. But um, I had this discussion with one of my uh, one of the people that's usually on the podcast. Um, he's a Knicks fan. And we had a disagreement about a month back because I argued that Kenrich's value would arguably be a first-round pick. And he thought, at best, you'd get two seconds. And it's mm-hmm. come out, obviously, Presti's looking for a first. But do you still... He's worth a lot to our team. Do you think we're overrating him? Or is he actually worth a first-round pick? Or I think he's probably worth like a late first-round pick. I... It's so it's so difficult to gauge the value of a guy like this because we're talking about the sixth or seventh man on a 15 win team. Mm. You know, it's not it, it. That's where it becomes a little bit dicey. And like there's other players out there that are. You know, they can be had like we think about Eric Gordon, like Eric Gordon could be had. He's making a lot more money which is a little bit more difficult to trade for. That's what makes, you know, Kenrich a lot easier to trade for is that any team can take on 2 million mm-hmm. they can find 2 million to trade back or they can trade more back to the thunder. You know, the, the transaction is a lot easier, but you can find guys that can help. Like Terrence Ross is out there. Like Terrence Ross can help. Um, I do think it would be worth it for a team like Phoenix or a team like Utah to acquire Kenrich for a first round pick. Now, if you're talking about a team that's just like trying to s- sneak into the playoffs or something like that, I don't know. But if, if a contender is looking for like the last piece of their title team, and it's just like, we need just one more two-way wing. Mm-hmm. Like the Jazz need a two-way wing really bad. I think Phoenix could use another two-way wing. I think if Phoenix got Kenrich, I would feel a lot more confident in their ability to win the title. And so to me, it's worth it for them. Now, the Thunder own Phoenix's pick this year, so it would have to be a pick later on. Mm-hmm. What is their appetite for trading a pick down the road? Like, I don't know. That becomes – the thing about trading picks down the road is that good front offices, and Phoenix is a good one, they know what the draft looks like in 2026. Like, mm-hmm. they know who these kids are. And if there's generational-type talent, and you don't really know until you actually get up to, like, their senior year or junior year – but like they know who these kids are and if they think that there's somebody big coming up, they'll be like, yeah, I don't know. Like we'll, we'll hold on to that. Like I think a lot of teams have held on to a lot of different picks just because they know who's coming down the pipeline. Um, so it just depends. It depends on the appetite. I think the most likely outcome if they, if they wanted to trade him is they'd probably get two seconds. If, hmm. if they're willing to hold out, it's possible that he get a first from a team like Utah, who's a little desperate, but it would be, not just like a clean first rounder, it would be take back 12 million more. And like, that will be a part of the price that we're paying for the first rounder. If that makes sense. Yeah. Looking a little bit into the future with that, if Kenrich, cause obviously he wants to stay at Thunder. And mm-hmm. do you think he would get a, he would give a discount contract to the Thunder or do you think he would 
uh, go searching for the money when he's in his contract year. I just don't know how much he'll demand, period. Mm. You know, I think that the full mid-level, which is $9 million a year, might be the most that he could demand on the open market, mm. in which case, you know, depending on where the Thunder are, I think that it's possible that they want to pay that. Yeah. Um, so he's because he's a bench player, because he's – it's hard. It's hard to find a place where he would really where he would start. So I think that just as a bench player who's in the rotation, I think I don't think he'll be too terribly expensive. Yeah, and obviously Dort's uh, he's going to get paid soon enough. Mm-hmm. What do you reckon the max is for his per year? Fifteen mil? Would you go much above that? Uh, I. It's just he's such a confusing player. <laughs> I think between. I think he will get between 13 and 18. Mm. And I think it will largely depend on, I don't know. I mean, his agent did such a horrible job negotiating <laughs> his last contract. It's hard to know where, where they'll land this time and what the market value is for him. Does, do they get to restricted free agency? Um, do they sign this deal in March? Do mm. they, there's just a lot of questions with it. Uh, but I would guess that anywhere between 13 and 18 million, 18 would be pretty high, but still like not an untradeable contracts. Mm-hmm. Still, he's a, a good player. I don't think that it would necessarily cripple the Thunder to do a deal yeah. like that with him. So that's kind of what I would expect. And if we see more of Lou from last night where he's more aggressive, his defense looks better then you know, he'll be totally worth it. Now the final one, um, Obviously, we OKC hasn't met the price minimum cap. Is that right? They haven't met the floor for yeah. the cap. Do you see yeah. them making many changes in the next, oh, the last week of um, trade deadline? It's very possible that they get in on Joe Ingles or Serge Ibaka or somebody like that, where there's a team that just needs to to get off some money they are able to send the thunder pick compensation and that's it. Hmm. It's hard for me to see them really going after anybody specifically. I think this is more of maybe somebody wants Kenrich so bad. They'll pay a first rounder. Maybe people like somebody likes Ty Jerome. They'll give them like a top 45 protected second or something like that. I mean, those are the type of deals that we'd be looking at. It's like small potatoes or like money transactions period. Mm. is kind of what we'll see for a little while, honestly, with the Thunder, uh, until they either want to make a big splash and move up in the draft, or they're ready to kind of push some chips in and go get somebody to help the team. And we're still a ways away from anything like that. Yeah. Um, I also wanted to touch on a fan favorite, uh, Poku, of course. Um, Now, I just want your thoughts on – because I – when I played basketball, I had quite an ugly jump shot. So I'm not the best judge of this, but he's, his mechanics don't look that off. It kind of looks, it looks relatively smooth. Do you think it's more of a mechanic issue he shot or it's more of a um, mindset and kind of issue? I still think there's some strength components to it for him. And I do think it's more mindset stuff than it is anything else. Mm. Uh, Because 
I've I've watched him in one game with the G League. I went down and watched him here in OKC. I've seen him play all of his pro games. And he's such a strange player because he plays like he he does things on the court that like screams that he's really confident. However, he will hang his head a lot. Hmm. And it is uh just kind of concerning like when he makes a mistake like you can just like visibly see him just like oh you know like he's just you can he just feels all of it and in basketball like you have to have basically no memory at all Mm -hmm. you know you make a mistake who cares like the the game is still going like you got to get back Mm -hmm. on defense like you got to be ready for the next play and you know josh is is a a great example of that because josh will you know make a bad pass he will make a bad rotation he'll throw a pass out of bounds and you don't see him do anything but like you know scream the f word and run to the other end of the court and then he's like ready to go like poku like you see him kind of pouting almost for Mm -hmm. a little bit uh which is like super concerning to me he's really he's a really young player he's still got time to mature and to to develop but you know he's not in the rotation right now at all uh, and they, you know, they frankly need guys. They need guys mm. in this rotation. And Poku's one that they've said that he's not in it. So I'm curious to see what that looks like over the next few weeks. You know, Jeremiah's out with an injury. Uh, we haven't heard what's going on with Aaron Wiggins yet. Mm. He hurt his ankle last night. So with those two out, there's like clear minutes opening for Poku. And if we don't see him in the rotation at all, like that's a, that's a giant red flag. That's the biggest mm-hmm. red flag that we've seen about Poku. So if I'm a Thunder fan, I'm watching really closely this weekend to see like, does he even touch the court? Because if yeah. he doesn't, then it's a, a clear signal as to what the Thunder are thinking about him. Yeah. Um, now Giddy has obviously impressed this year, but I just want your thoughts. Do you think, the perspective on uh, his ceiling has changed since the start of since he's been drafted. So obviously, personally, I thought when he got drafted, his best the best he could be was a good starter. But mm-hmm. I'm st- I'm starting to think maybe if he develops a shot and tight handling, he could be could become an all star. But um, yeah, just what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I've completely flipped. I didn't know really, honestly, I didn't know what he would be. I actually really liked him in the draft process, but I didn't know what, what he could be as a pro because we hadn't seen what he looks like athletically next to any of these other guys. And he is, he's putting up historic numbers for a rookie mm. uh, in terms of rebounding and assists. Like the, the list that you begin to look at with what he's on pace to do. Now he still has to do it, yeah. but if he can do it, we're talking about a list of, you know, less than five players in the NBA history that's done what he's done. Mm. And the type of players that are able to, and he, he's not like a non-score, which yeah. is what some people thought he might be. But if he can continue to score and continue to dish out assists and rebounds at the rate that he is, then it's, I mean, there's pretty much nobody on the list that's achieved what he will have achieved that isn't an all-star, that isn't a really good player. You know, like maybe the worst, like modern player that's put up these kind of stats is John Wall. And John Wall, the only reason that he, his career slowed down is because of injuries. Mm. So I 
I think there is a really good chance that that he is a star. I think yeah. that there is a there is a I don't know. I would have said preseason like five percent chance this guy's a star. Yeah. You know, now I'm like thirty five percent chance this guy's a star. Like mm. there's like a pretty good chance that this guy can do it. Now, like you said, he's got to tighten up his handle. He's got to have better awareness on really both ends. Like he's really smart, really good. He just needs more reps and that will get him there. Uh, but I do think that there is a world where Josh Giddy is making all-star teams and is a high, high impact player for a long time. And I find it interesting. Like he's putting up these numbers, like, watching his earlier games when I was uh, just hoping you'd get that triple double that he eventually got, um, you'd be seeing him dropping passes off to Poku and JRA and they'd be just blowing wide open layups. And it just, you you put not necessarily a superstar big, but just a a good big that can catch the ball and maybe even shoot. Like you got Muscala, but I feel like if you put uh, can't think of one off the top of my head, but say Towns, if you unrealistically put him there, I feel yeah. like Giddy's oh. game would elevate to without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he would crush. I mean, I think people would, I think people's eyes would be opened if they saw him play with good players. I mean, we saw what he did last night hmm. just with Trey Mann. Like, and tr- like, I don't want to take anything away from Trey Mann, but Trey Mann doesn't score 29 points yeah. if Josh Giddy isn't passing him open. Yeah. for as many threes as he was like that's that's one thing people need to understand about last night is that those cross the court passes that he was throwing those one-handed cross court yeah. passes that were hitting trey right in the pocket where he's wide open i don't know what is there seven eight nine guys in the nba that could throw that pass there's not that many mm. especially from that size like this i mean he's creating stuff and if he can create stuff for better players then I think people will realize like what a really good player he is. And now, you know, like turns the ball over too much. He's, you know, his potential assists are crazy high. His actual assists are like pretty good. I mean, get him two or three legitimate NBA starters. Then I think that he can, he can really open up the entire floor for everybody. And we'll, as Aussies, we'll claim him over Ben Simmons because <laughs> I don't think anyone's a big fan of Ben Simmons. What did you think yet. of Josh before the draft? Like, what was like the buzz? I, I'd only so I I know from Australia. I don't watch a great deal of NBL, but I knew yeah. there were a few um, young players coming through. Obviously, I started I started probably watching it when Lamelo was going through there. Um, yeah, and there was old players like Johnny Flynn and all that in there. But sure. um, I. I found it interesting. Like I knew he would be good, not this good, but I knew he'd be a starter probably in the NBA. And um, I just, I felt it was a bit rough when they did his, I think they did his comp and they basically said his downside was playing basketball. Yeah. I saw that. <laughs> and I'm just like, that's a bit rough. Like you can put yeah. your shooting and stuff in there, but um, no, I, I thought he'd be a good starter. And then when he went to OKC, we did a, a live thing of it, I'm pretty sure. And I was just mm-hmm. going off. I still haven't got my jersey for it from him yet. For uh-huh. Well, his jersey yet, but um, I need to add to my collection. Uh-huh. Um, but going to final top for a fun little game, um, reverse standings. Now, OKC, is, I think we're fourth, a game and a half behind the Rockets, which arguably we could actually 
go into third, whether the rocket the rockets are just inconsistent and mm-hmm. can't really tell. But um, hypothetically, if we get the fourth pick and we say get Clippers, um, Clippers fall to a top ten pick or go into a top ten pick, mm-hmm. would you be trading that for a top two pick or would you hold on to those two top ten picks? I would definitely trade it. Definitely mm-hmm. trade both for one of the three guys up there, especially if Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren are available. Like I would think that I would do that for one of those guys because this draft, and it really kind of depends on where that, like if the pick is at like 10 or 11, like no brainer. If it's at seven, six, seven, eight, like I'd have to, I'd have to watch these guys a little bit more. Um, But there is like a, there's a drop off certainly. Um, And also I, I need, I've watched a lot of Jaden Ivey. I need to watch him a little bit more too, mm. because there's a chance that Jaden Ivey is like the best player in this draft. You know, there's, there's, there's a world that exists where he is that. Yeah. And also there's a world where he goes in the top three or he mm. goes top two, even like that's not impossible. So those are, there's just a lot of decisions to be made once they get there, but if it's available and I think it's, it's possible that Orlando might want to trade that pick and have more bites at the apple. Yeah. The Thunder need, and and a lot of this will just depend on what Sam and his crew thinks of these players too. Yeah. Because we, as we saw in the last draft, like, you know, we follow what Sam Vecini and what the guys at ESPN and all the other draft guys, look, we follow what they think. And a lot of them think similarly, and that's great. But the Thunder don't, think the same way that those guys do you know you look at last year's draft like nobody had josh giddy at six you know nobody had trey man as high as 16 nobody had jeremiah as high as 32 you know they they just didn't and i think that you can look at where these guys were selected and think you know what sam did a really good job that's probably where those guys should have gone and I think you can put a lot of trust in the Thunder front office to make the right decision there. And, you know, on draft night, you know, we had a big draft party here in OKC. There were a lot of people either extremely disappointed or like coming up to me asking for reassurance, (laughs) you know, all night. And, you know, nobody knew. And even after summer league, like it was summer league was such a bummer because we saw, the like three possessions yeah. of Josh and then he rolled his ankle and it's like, Oh boy. And the rest of summer league was a disaster. So mm-hmm. you just don't know. Um, but me personally, I would be aiming to get one of Jabari Smith or Chet Holmgren. And I would do pretty much anything I could to get one of those guys. Um, now there's, I don't watch a great deal of college, but there's one, player that hasn't declared for the draft his last name sharp i know that much because yeah shane sharp my mate's name sharp if he declared would you would that change your mind or would it still say you need to get into that top three to get chad or even though sharp might not be the fit for our team say an orlando or someone wants him Mm -hmm. um he definitely changes the equation whether i if he is who some people think he is then certainly the Thunder should consider him, yeah. you know, six foot five jump out of the gym, crazy athlete can create his own shot, can hit off the dribble, can hit off the catch. He's a great mm-hmm. player. 
a great play finisher. 